Volunteer-powered, listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Ashley Voss. And I'm Benedict Jones. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. Later in the program, we will revisit a report from WFHB correspondent Brooklyn Lambright titled The Cost to Bleed, How the Tampon Tax is Worsening Period Poverty. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have Lil Bub's Little Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. But first, this announcement. of year again wfhb's fall fun drive is here our daily award-winning news program wfhb local news serves as your essential source for community updates every day our passionate volunteers who are also members of the community work tirelessly to cover local government explore in-depth news features on community issues and keep you informed community radio is a rare treasure and stations like wfhb with news departments are even rarer we take immense pride in carrying forward WFHB's rich tradition of a dynamic news and public affairs department. However, to sustain WFHB's many crucial local news and public affairs programs, we need your support. You are the heartbeat of community radio, and your pledge today can help us thrive. Our goal for today's broadcast is to raise $100 in support of our fall fund drive. Your contribution can make a significant impact in keeping independent local news on your community radio station, WFHB. Simply dial 812-323-1200 and make a pledge as soon as possible. Once again, that's 812-323-1200. Also, you can visit our website at wfhb.org and click on the prominent red donate button to pledge your invaluable support. Thank you for being a loyal listener and for generously supporting WFHB, your beloved community radio station. Together, we can ensure our community stays connected and well-informed. report, we revisit a report from WFHB correspondent Brooklyn Lambright titled The Cost to Bleed, How the Tampon Tax is Worsening Period Poverty. Then Lambright will be live in the studio to talk about her experience interning at WFHB's news department over the summer. We turn to Lambright for more. World 
worldwide, there are nearly 800 million people who menstruate. Every 28 days, they experience a variety of symptoms, such as cramps, nausea, bloating, mood swings, fatigue, acne, and bleeding for nearly seven days straight. 500 million of those people lack the resources they need to manage their menstrual cycle. In the United States, one-third of low-income women miss commitments like school or work because of a lack of access to affordable menstrual care. There's only one federal law that addresses these issues. The First Step Act, codified by Congress in 2018, requires federal women's facilities to supply free menstrual products. As of June 20th, 2023, 21 states still charge sales tax on menstrual products. This does not include any provisions on access to period products in schools, private prisons, and homeless shelters. Those without access to quality period products may extend the life of a tampon or pad in order to cut on costs. This increases the chance of toxic shock syndrome, reproductive tract infections, negative pregnancy outcomes, and the human papillomavirus. Beyond the health risks acquired by a lack of access to period care, a lack of menstrual products can lead to greater feelings of humiliation and exclusion, according to the ACLU. Jennifer Gaines, the program director of Alliance for Period Supplies, an organization that works to provide period products to women in need while also advocating for greater period equity, says additional taxes on menstrual supplies can make it difficult for families on a budget to purchase the products they need. And so the first thing by removing and eliminating that tax um, will continue to, um, you know, advance equity and specifically gender equity, right? So there's no reason why period products are taxed and other things are not. So removing that tampon tax will, um, you know, create a message that these products are essential. They're not a luxury um, and also removing the undue burden, additional burden of the financial constraints that you know, people who can't afford them, um, you know, are able to access them a little bit more because that restraint is, is removed. So we're only seeing, you know, a few cents on the dollar, um, but that is, uh, can make or break a family decision on whether or not they choose period products or just with their limited funds or they go to the grocery store and buy food to support their families. Indiana is among one of the 21 states nationally that still tax menstrual products. In the last legislative session, State Senator Shelley Yoder for Indiana's 40th District authored Senate Bill 259, which proposed removing taxes on menstrual products. The bill, however, never made it to a hearing. Items in Indiana are taxed if the state legislature determines they are a luxury. Yoder says placing a tax on menstrual items is spreading the wrong message about their necessity. Menstrual products are not a want, but a need for people who menstruate. Now, we made a decision that other items, like food, we would not tax because people need food to survive. So we're not going to build an economy on the back of people needing to eat food. But we have decided... Indiana is going to build an economy off the backs of women. And what my bill would do would be to say, no more. We're going, Indiana is going to join with the other states who now recognize this as an unconstitutional tax. And we're going to repeal the tax on menstrual products. You can't be in the same spaces as men without menstrual products. And my bill would just say, in Indiana, we recognize that as a constitutional right. And so we are not going to tax menstrual products any longer.
The issue with the bill wasn't its lack of support. In fact, SB 259 had bipartisan support. Kyle Walker, the Republican state senator for Indiana's District 31, co-authored the bill. Yoder says the issue with the bill is the loss of tax revenue the state would lose if taxes on period products were eliminated. Yoder estimates the state receives nearly $5 million annually off taxed menstrual products. The bill, I couldn't even get a hearing. And I had so many conversations. I wrote letters, had face-to-face conversations, had bipartisanship with actually filing the bill. I had a co-author. My co-author was Senator Kyle Walker who agrees with me. And I had, I was building a coalition of support. In the House, my bill was filed by a Republican man. There was a comparable bill filed by a Republican man in the House. This is not a partisan issue. This is an issue that I did my work and had the coalition built to get this passed. But there wasn't the will to let go of the revenue that's created by it. And to me, it's outrageous. And and to many, that is outrageous. That in the same year that we are going to say, in Indiana, we're going to build an economy on the backs of women while we are stripping away their rights. Both of those things happen at the same time with the passage of SB1 and the passage of House Bill 1001, which was our budget, which is where that sh- we should have passed that bill and our budget for the next two years should not be gathering taxes on the backs of women to be able to be in the same spaces as men in the workplace and at school. But tax revenue isn't the only reason the bill was denied a hearing. Yoder says discussing periods in the state house was uncomfortable for some legislators. I would say due to the lack of education and due to what continues today to be a discomfort in talking about menstrual cycles and periods, a reality that every person with a uterus has for about 30 years, 20 to 30 years of their lives impacts women every 28 days. That is certainly on the minds of people who have menstrual cycles, but a real discomfort among those who have the power to do something about it. We have made a choice in this legislature to not tax certain items, and it felt very much like and we are intentionally going to tax these products. So it came down to just a lack of will to want to have this conversation in the public. Deep down, there is this taboo about talking about women's bodies unless we are silencing them or banning them. Both SB1, Indiana's abortion ban, and SB259 were proposed in the same legislative session. However, while SB1 made it through the state house, complete with a signature from Governor Eric Holcomb, SB259 still awaits a hearing. Yoder says it's important the legislature considers a tax exemption on menstrual products. The bill proposed would not allow for free products, but it would ensure lawmakers don't profit off those who menstruate.
what's important to recognize is at no time is this about giving free products. I mean, women and girls already have to pay for these products. No one's asking for those products to be free. The bill just simply said, let's not tax them. Let's not, what are we, what are we saying? Um, taxing women and girls' ability to engage in society, to go to school and to go to work, we're going to tax them. And from that $5 million in revenue that Indiana, the state of Indiana is going to earn per year, let's build a sports complex. Let's build a new barn at the 4-H fair. I mean, what, what are we saying is, is going to be an outcome that's solely paid by women and girls having a uterus and having a period? What, what are we doing? What's worth it? Yoder is urging people to think about menstrual supplies as medical devices rather than hygiene products. While hygiene products are needed to look and smell good, medical devices are needed to survive. People without access to period supplies risk having to use less safe alternatives to stop blood flow. But I'm, I'm really clear um, just calling them hygiene products. No, they are defined as medical devices by the FDA. And these are not hygiene products to make you think like it's baby powder and deodorant. Not the same thing. Menstrual products are not the same thing as when you think about hygiene products. Hey, mom, can you pick me up a bar of soap from the supermarket? Not the same thing as I'm out of tampons. Yoder's bill is just the beginning when it comes to tackling the issue of period poverty nationwide. Menstruating people in homeless shelters and prisons across the nation struggle with access to period products. The ACLU reported on a particular case in a Michigan jail which deprived their women detainees of needed menstrual products. The women were forced to beg prison guards for products with some having to bleed onto their jumpsuits which were only washed once weekly. One woman reported that prison staff once made 30 women share only 12 pads. For reference, 12 pads would not last a single woman through an entire cycle. When the prison was taken to court, the judge ruled the case, quote, too trivial to be considered a violation of the Constitution, end quote. There are numerous stories around the country of similar cases which deprive female inmates of necessary supplies. Organizations like Alliance for Period Supplies and the ACLU are advocating for better legislation that addresses period poverty. We advocate on state and federal level um, for legislative changes to period supplies accessible and affordable. Um, so that meaning advocating uh, to advance particularly related to period products in schools. Um, as well as eliminating the sales tax on menstrual products. Um, and so we have a department here um, dedicated to government affairs that make relationships with elected officials across the country um, in collaboration, coalitions and nonprofit leaders um, to help educate these officials on the issue of period poverty um, and ways they can help to impact and get those products to the folks that, they, that need them the most. Activists and lawmakers advocating for period equity agree education among politicians is necessary. The topic of periods has long been viewed as, quote, taboo, and now that prejudice is slipping into state houses across the nation. To learn more about the advocacy work of the Alliance for Period Supplies, visit allianceforperiodsupplies.org. To contact your local representative about period equity, visit iga.in.gov. For WFHB, I'm Brooklyn Lambright.
Hello, this is WFHB correspondent Ashley Voss, and I am joined by WFHB correspondent Brooklyn Lambright. Brooklyn, welcome to WFHB. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back in the station. Now, before we get started, I would like to give a big shout out to Tracy, Myla, and Bubby for their donation. Thank you guys so much. It means so much to us. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate it so much. So, Brooklyn, when you were asked about which was your favorite feature before today's show, you selected the Costa Bleed. Why did you choose this? And what was this reporting experience like? Yeah, yeah, uh, that was the feature that was just played. And I interned with WFHB over the summer. I did, I think, six features. And I chose this one because it's not something that we hear about often in the news. Like, you aren't going to pull up CNN and see something about periods and, and menstrual products. And so it was really important for me to cover this topic uh, because, you know, just because it isn't in the daily news cycle doesn't make it any less important. And um, it's something that affects half of our population. You know, uh, women across the world bleed and they have menstrual cycles. And uh, unfortunately, in the state of Indiana, women are forced to pay for, for that through uh, an extra tax revenue. And um, it, the, the state of Indiana sees period products as non-essential items, meaning that women and girls have to pay that extra tax to buy period products. And uh, so it was really important to me to investigate why, why that is in the state of Indiana and also uh, where that tax money is going. And so I had a really wonderful conversation with uh, Shelley Yoder, Senator Shelley Yoder, and uh, Jennifer Gaines, who is the program director for period, uh, the Alliance of Period Supplies. And uh, I think that was my favorite part of the feature was just getting to talk to those inspiring women because uh, they just, they care so much about what they do and they're helping so many women and girls across not only the state, but you know, they're inspiring other lawmakers across across the nation to uh, do similar things and to help women and girls in need that menstruate and who don't have access to those sorts of things. And so it was just wonderful to get to hear from them. You know, uh, Jennifer Gaines is helping to, and just the organization as a whole is helping to get period products to women in need who are in homeless shelters or in schools where they uh, don't have access to those sorts of things. And of course, uh, Shelly Yoder is trying to pass legislation that would remove that tax on uh, period products. And so they both have so much passion for what they do. And I just felt that passion when I talked to them. And it was really something that I just wanted to embed in the story. And being a woman myself, it was easy to write the story because you know their, their passion inspired me. And also this is an issue I face as well. And uh, so, you know, it was just, it was such an important story in so many ways. And I'm so glad that uh, it gets to be re-aired and we get to hear it again. And it, it was, yeah, my favorite feature for just all of those reasons. And I think it's important that, you know, we talk about these sorts of topics and don't shy away from seeing periods as taboo. And we continue to put them in the daily news cycle. And that's just something I love about WFHB is that I was able to really pursue things that interest me um, women's issues being one of those things. And uh, they really gave me the freedom to put something out on the air that we don't hear very often. And that was talking about periods and, and menstrual products and the tampon tax. And they really just, you know, I, I remember asking, is this too much? Like, am I saying period too much on the air? Um, is the headline, the cost to bleed, is that too dramatic? Like, should I not air that? You know, it's not what we think of in the journalistic sense. It's not like 
straight facts. You know, the cost to bleed is, is a bit subjective, right? And uh, they were like, no, go for it. We, we need this out in the daily news cycle. And so I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I got to cover it. What an impactful story, Brooklyn. Well, this is WFHB's Fall Fun Drive. We need to raise $100 during this very show to support local independent journalism on your community's airwaves. This is a time when our community really needs independent local news coverage, perhaps more than ever. But we need your support to stay on the air and continue growing our news department. Give us a call at 812-323-1200 or visit WFHB.org to make your donation during the WFHB local news. Again, that's 812-323-1200. If you're out there listening, we want to hear from you. Every amount helps to help us reach our goal of $100 to support local news. Thank you for your time and thank you for supporting your community radio station, WFHB. Up next, we have Lil Bub's Little Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We turn now to that segment on the WFHB Local News. To Lil Bub's Lil Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We highlight adoptable animals with special needs in South Central Indiana and spotlight topics to promote human animal welfare. First, here is today's featured animal. Today's featured animal isn't a pet. It's North America's only marsupial and one of my favorite animals, the Virginia possum. Possums are a solitary, nocturnal animal about the size of a domestic cat, and they are successful opportunists. You've likely seen many possums as they frequently inhabit urban areas near food sources like trash cans, pet food, compost piles, and gardens. Their slow nocturnal nature and their attraction to roadside carrion make possums more likely to become roadkill themselves. So if you see a possum crossing the road, please be patient. If threatened, a possum will either flee or take a stand. To appear threatening, possums will first bare their 50 teeth, snap their jaws, hiss, drool, and stand their fur on end to look bigger. If this does not work, the Virginia possum is noted for feigning death in response to extreme fear. This is where the term playing possum, which means pretending to be dead or injured, comes from. When a possum plays dead, their heart rate drops by half and their breathing rate is so slow and shallow, it is hardly detectable. Death feigning normally stops when the threat withdraws and it can last for several hours. Besides discouraging animals that eat live prey, playing possum also convinces some large animals that the possum is no threat to their young. Possums are omnivorous, 
sometimes said to be insectivorous, and eat a wide range of plant-based food as well as animal-based food like small invertebrates, eggs, fish, amphibians, reptiles, birds, small mammals, and other small animals. Now that we know more about possums, let's talk about one of their most unique features. Marsupials have an external pouch where their infants do most of their early development. The pouch acts as a warm, safe place for their young to grow. Our friends at WildCare often receive infants that have lost their mothers and need a new pouch. So one way you can help WildCare is to give these animals comfort by sewing pouches. If you like to sew, you can visit WildCare's website, www.wildcareinc.org, and find instructions to sew a pouch. And one of WildCare's animal ambassadors is a possum named Potato. If you'd like to learn more about WildCare, donate to their work, or attend an upcoming event, please visit their website. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. On today's episode of Lil Bub's Lil Show, we're going to be talking about our friends at WildCare. WildCare is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that was formed in the spring of 2001. Their focus is to provide professional care to sick, injured, and orphaned wildlife so that they may be returned to the wild. They provide care and rehabilitation services to all native Indiana wildlife species with the exception of deer. Their mission goes beyond caring for sick, injured, and orphaned wildlife. WildCare strives to help protect the next generation of wildlife through their education and community outreach programs. WildCare holds permits through the Indiana DNR, USDA, and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. They do not receive any state or federal funding and rely only on donor support to save the lives of injured and orphaned wild animals. Every year, WildCare provides treatment for about 1,500 to 2,000 animals. They do approximately 75 educational outreach programs reaching up to 3,000 people each year. WildCare is a valuable and needed asset in our South Central Indiana community. So keep listening for ways you can learn more about them and help. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB. Produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. WFHB correspondent Brooklyn Lambright live in the studio in light of our fall fun drive. Thank you so much for being here, Brooklyn. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back in the station. So, Brooklyn, WFHB is one of a small handful of independent local news outlets in South Central Indiana. Why do you think independent local news is so important? Well, I think there's 
two main reasons that I'm going to talk about real quickly about why local news is so important. One is that it prevents news deserts. And news deserts happen when we have these big conglomerates that basically just cover state and national news, but they don't cover the community news. So they aren't going to be covering your town council meetings or any of those really important things that impact the community we live in and community members. And so when we have local news that is here to cover those things and is covering issues that affect real people in the community, it just it prevents these conglomerates uh, just forgetting about you know these these communities that matter as well. And the other reason is uh, specifically nonprofit news. Uh, as WFHB is a nonprofit radio station, um, it really can focus on the stories that matter to the community members. It isn't uh, it isn't here for profit. And it isn't focused on publishing stories that will get clicks or views or those sorts of things. So we can really focus on uh, covering stories that matter and affect real people. And really, that's what journalism is and should be. Um, and so I think that's why places like WFHB are so important to the local community, especially Bloomington. Exactly. You perfectly summed that up here at WFHB. We really do strive to get all of our listeners stories that you guys want to hear. So thank you so much for that response. Um, Brooklyn, you did an awesome job for WFHB working on news features, uh, the State House Roundup, covering protests. What do you appreciate the most about WFHB? Oh, there are so many things I love about WFHB, uh, but specifically, WFHB is so different in that it isn't like a typical newsroom. So in a typical newsroom, you get a beat and you get a story. And if you're working in a, like a broadcast TV station, you basically get uh, one story a day and you get like a couple hours to work on it maybe and then you get you turn that story in for the nightly news uh, here at WFHB you really get you really get a personal relationship with your story you get to be you know you it's so personal the way that that you get to be with your story and and doing your interviews and you get to choose topics that interest you and I think when I did my uh, when I did my features, I took like two weeks on a feature, which was so different than what I, you know, do for school. You know, I get maybe a week to work on something, but here I got to choose what interests me, that being like state and uh, federal politics. And so, um, so yeah, it was really, I just really loved how personal it was and, and the environment is so wonderful as well. And just making so many friends here. I've made so many friends since being at WFHB and I, I love it. Well, this is WFHB's Fall Fun Drive. We need to raise $100 during this very show to support local independent journalism on your community's airwaves. This is a time when our community really needs independent local news coverage, perhaps more than ever. But we need your support to stay on the air and continue growing our news department. So please call 812-323-1200 right now and tell us what you love about WFHB. We would be glad to read your comments on the air. You can also visit WFHB.org. Click the red donate button and make a safe and secure donation through our website. We appreciate your time and patience during our fall fund drive. Without you, there is no WFHB. Thank you for listening and for supporting WFHB Community Radio.